Hi, I'm Courtney Brown at Emory University. Welcome to my class in science fiction and politics. I want to briefly outline the structure of your papers. In the beginning, it was sort of free form. I was just giving you vague ideas of how to proceed because I wanted you to get a good idea of, on your own, of what it is like to try to come up with a new idea, how to frame it, how to, how to force it. It produces that initial immersion into the problem. Okay? Now I want to give you more of a formula. I don't want to give you a formula in the beginning, but now I want to give you more of a formula so that you can start working with the formula. When you see an opinion piece by Thomas Friedman or Nicholas Kristof or Paul Krugman or any of the other um, interesting uh, columnists that you read in the New York Times, for example, <coughs> they're essentially following a formula for how to construct a powerful essay the very first thing they do is they say, what topic am I going to talk about? Then the next thing they say is, what unusual angle can I come at that most readers are not going to be thinking about? Because most people think repetitively the same old ideas over and over again the whole day, from the beginning of the morning to the end of the evening. And what Thomas Friedman and Paul Krugman and Nicholas Kristof and others have, thought, have, have really focused on is, what is different? What is a, a something that they're not likely to be thinking at some different angle? And then they have to drag them in with some story. Well, in our case, the story is the novel. You're using science fiction and trying to explain it as if you were explaining to mom and dad what was going on in the novel that's relevant to the political science field. So, the very first thing you want to do, point number one, is to structure the essay such that the novel is dominant. The novel is the thing that's going to be driving through. You don't want to have an essay that is three-quarters discussion about the real world and only making an analogy with regard to the novel. You want to have the novel be dominant throughout the essay so that you're catching people's attention, bringing them into the novel and showing them how it, the novel interprets an aspect of reality that we haven't seen. That's not common to us. <coughs> now remember, these essays are supposed to be such that the essay is explaining the novel's politics. So you have to go into the social component of the novel. You have to go into the social and political component of the, components of the novel. So you don't deal with just the technology, the star drives, the whatever. You have to think of what's it talking about with regard to society. Now this is how you do it. This is a formula that you can vary, but in general, this will work. Okay? It's, nothing that's, it's nothing that's locked in. What do you do in the first paragraph? In the first paragraph, You deal with the novel in sentences one through three or four. Meaning the first three or four sentences you deal with the novel. You introduce the topic through the novel. Okay, So you don't start with the real world topic 
and then say, oh, and by the way, I read a novel recently that uh, sort of relates to this. You start with the novel. You bring the novel right in. Then, now you're still in the first paragraph. You bring the real world in in sentences four or five. Or, actually I should say four and five or five and six. Now why do I have to say four or five? Uh, four and five, or five and six. Because if you're talking about the novel up to the first three sentences, then sentences four and five, you go into the real world. If you go to the first four sentences with the novel, then you're dealing with sentence five and six at the real world. That's your first paragraph. You cannot leave the first paragraph without talking about both the novel and the real world. You start with the novel in the first three or four sentences, and then you have two more sentences you add that connect the novel to the real world. So at the end of the paragraph, the first paragraph, the reader is absolutely clear that you're going to bring this novel to the front stage to discuss a new angle that we haven't been thinking about with regard to social and political stuff. And we're going to tie it to that real-world problem that you talked about in the last two sentences of the first paragraph. So that, And you literally look at the sentences. Are we doing that in those sentences, the others, and so on? Okay, let's talk about now the second paragraph. Now, the reader already knows that you're going to be talking about the novel and that you're going to be tying it to the real world from the first paragraph. The reader, most likely, has not read the novel. So you have to explain something about the novel. You have to really catch it. You have to really say something unusual about the novel so that the reader says, gosh, is that what that novel is talking about? I've got to pick that thing up. I've got to read that novel. So, the second paragraph deals with the novel. Now, you do not want to just give a general overview of the plot of the novel. This is not the Cliff Notes version of the novel with who did what, where, and how. But you are supposed to be talking about the novel and you have to give enough of what went on in the novel that relates to the social components or the political components so that you can then get on with the rest of your essay. You have to basically catch the reader up, the reader of your essay, up with regard to the essential elements of the novel so that even if they didn't read the novel, they sort of know what you're talking about that came from the novel. So you've got to give them a very brief synopsis of the relevant components of the novel. Now, that means you're really talking about the novel in that second paragraph, but you've got to make sure that that second paragraph doesn't go winding off, wandering off to other aspects of the novel that are not relevant to to the last two sentences of the first paragraph. So make sure that that second paragraph deals with the novel, tells it. You actually discuss the novel, you explain the novel, you explain some plot or whatever needs to be said about the novel, some characters, whatever, but they have to be very specific with regard to the real world problem. So you don't go into a lot of stuff with the novel, just the elements that you need to. Okay, third paragraph. <coughs> The third paragraph makes the connection between the novel and the real-world issue. 
but you stay with the novel. That's important. It doesn't mean that you drop the novel now and you go off and you talk about politics of the real world. You make the connection. You make the connection between the novel and the real world issue and with emphasis but stay with the novel that means keep discussing the novel from the perspective of the novel so that you don't go off in the real world and just sort of say okay we've talked about the novel enough and now we go into politics you don't want to do that so you now make the connection between the novel and the real world now look at the structure of the first three paragraphs the first three paragraphs go from the first paragraph itself goes from novel to real world the first paragraph now what we're doing is we're repeating that that pattern so the second paragraph goes back to the novel but you talk more about the novel the third paragraph is making the connection with the real world just as you did with the first sentence I mean, I'm sorry, with the first paragraph so you're going with that same pattern throughout now, the fourth paragraph for the fourth paragraph here you talk about the real world stuff You've already hooked the reader with the concept of the novel. You told the reader that you're going to be talking about the real world with relation to that. Then you go into the second paragraph, you talk about the novel, they know you're in the novel. The third paragraph, you're making the connection between the real world and the novel, but you're staying with the novel. Now in the fourth paragraph, you let loose with the real world stuff. You really hone in on what you need to say about the real world. You're making your point. So you're not necessarily talking about the novel in the fourth paragraph. Finally, you're able to just hone in, and that is the time when you can make your non-obvious conclusion, your non-obvious point about the real world. You've supported it with the ideas that the novels gave you, that the novel gave you. The fifth paragraph is also about the real world stuff. You normally need two paragraphs of real-world stuff, plain real-world stuff, because the first, the, the fourth paragraph, when you go into the real-world stuff, you're setting up just like, just like you have a, a, a sentence that has a semicolon in it. The first part of the sentence gives the basic information. The second part of the sentence, also an independent clause that could stand alone as a sentence, the second part of the sentence that comes after the semicolon gives the punch to the first sentence, I mean to the first part of it. So when you have a sentence that has a semicolon, the first part gives the basic information and the second part gives it the relevance. The stuff that comes after the semicolon gives it the relevance, gives it the punch, gives it the power. It's like the first part in a boxing rat match is a jab and then the second part, the stuff that comes after the semicolon, is the knockout punch. Well, very similarly, your fourth and fifth paragraphs are like that. Your fourth paragraph, you're talking just about the real world, real world stuff. It gives the basic information that sets up what you're going to be talking about. 
The fifth paragraph is again real world stuff, but at this point you drive in home what it really means. Okay? For example, if you were talking about today's New York Times talked a lot about the need for us to reduce our dependency on oil. Well, what if your point was that we needed a $2 a gallon tax on gasoline? And unless we have that, we are not going to be able to defend our nation because we're going to use up our gas. The world is going to rely on oil too high a level and the Iranians are going to build their nuclear weapons because they've got us over a barrel and they know it because we need their oil. You understand it's a world supply. It doesn't matter that we buy their oil, but that anyone in the West buys their oil, it fills the overall supply. So, you know, if, if we buy our oil from Nigeria, it doesn't matter. If Iran didn't produce oil, the people who are buying Iranian oil would buy it from Nigeria and we would run out of oil. So, the, the point is that if, you're, if what you're trying to say is that we need to stop Iranian uh, nuclear technology now before they have a bomb and maybe use it. They really, you know, hate Israel. I mean, it's a big deal. I mean, the president of Iran has been saying some really wild stuff. And if we're really concerned about that, and you're making the point is, well, look, there's only one way to do it. We've got to cut down the global consumption of oil so that the price of oil will go down. There's no other way to do that other than a gas tax, and it's got to be $2 a gallon, which is comparable with what you get in Japan and uh, Europe. So $2 a gallon in incremented at 50 cent intervals every six months starting now. That's a big thing, okay? Well, if you're to be doing that, then in your fourth paragraph, you're discussing the, the fact of the global supply of oil being relevant, that Iranian oil, even if we don't buy it, gets supplied to other Western nations, and if they don't have it, they would be buying it from our suppliers. And so we are obligated to lower the global consumption of oil, and we can participate in it uh, in our own way. That if we want to make Iran feel an economic pinch so that their leaders have to listen to the rest of the world, we've got to cut down the global production of the global demand for oil, which means we have to do it to ourselves. Okay. That sets it up in the first paragraph, the fourth paragraph, the fourth paragraph rather, I'm sorry, the fourth paragraph. The fifth paragraph, the knockout punch. There is absolutely no way we can defend ourselves as a nation without a $2 a gallon gas tax starting now in 50 cent increments every six months. Period. End of. You see how that's a really powerful conclusion. It just must come. But you can't start that in the fourth paragraph because the fourth paragraph, you've got to set it up. You've got to explain how there's a global supply that Iran is getting $60 a barrel of, of oil. It can laugh at us. It can do whatever it wants. We have absolutely no control over it, and it can do it with all that money. It can build its nuclear weapons, and that's the end of it. Well, if we're really concerned about that, you know, that has to be put into the fourth paragraph. The gas tax comes into the fifth. If you started out the whole essay with, we need a gas tax, you haven't defended it. You haven't proposed it. People would bounce on the idea. They would diss you. They would dismiss you. They would just say, you know, this doesn't, it's not relevant. But that's why you need two paragraphs, a setup paragraph and a knockout punch paragraph in your fourth and fifth paragraphs talking about the real world. 
Now, the sixth paragraph... The sixth paragraph, you return to the novel. You return to the novel, and in the sixth paragraph, you return to the novel in the first two to three sentences. And then you return to the real world in the last two sentences. Okay? So, in the last paragraph, the sixth paragraph, you go back to the novel following that same pattern. Novel, real world, novel, real world. In the first two to three sentences of the last paragraph, the sixth paragraph, you go back to the novel and bring it back to the reality, uh, I mean, to the, to the setting that you have, have placed the entire essay. And then after you do that, then in the last two sentences, you return to the real world. Something, and this is your, your, your final concluding sentences. This is, a nation, this is an issue of national survival. Planetary survival, whatever you want to call it. And you know, this is the reasons why. That's the basic structure. Now, if you look at a Nicholas Kristof, Paul Krugman, Maureen Dowd, uh, Thomas Friedman, David Brooks type of uh, opinion piece in the New York Times, you will see that some of their paragraphs are very short. The reason being that newspaper columns are narrow and they've known that the readers themselves have a very short attention span. They have to go from paragraph to paragraph and getting little blips. So our essays actually have longer paragraphs than some of the essays that you get in the, in the New York Times. Our essays are more closely structured towards what you'd have to do in a research paper in terms of, in terms of length. Nonetheless, many of the essays that you do see in the New York Times by those columnists nonetheless do follow approximately the same format. But what you'll notice is quite often they have more paragraphs. However, if you count the words and if you count the number of sentences, you'll find that they are the same. Okay? Basically, what you're talking about is a three-page essay and that three-page essay, if you look it out, if you look at your own essays, actually get your own essays out right now. Count the number of paragraphs that you've already got. Everyone, just take out the essays that I just handed back and tell me how many paragraphs you have. I haven't given you the formula before. I'm just giving you the formula now. How many, and let's go around the room. <coughs> Rachel, how many paragraphs did you have? You had four? Okay, so you actually need more because it's too many big ideas, too many ideas crammed into one paragraph. So you have to break them up. I'm the same thing. You had four? Okay, Jason, how many did you have? Eight. You had eight? Five. Hussein, you had five? Six. Six. You see how you're all hovering around the same numbers? So we're talking approximately the same numbers of paragraphs. Try to make them around six now. So you see, you've been in the ballpark all along. But this is how you write it. This is how you structure it. Again, I didn't want to give you the formula in the first few days of class because then it becomes more of a satisfy the professor, follow the formula, don't think type of a mode. Now you've immersed yourself, you've tried, you've struggled, you're starting to find good ideas to talk about, and that's great. And now what you want to do is to be able to put a little structure on those essays. Again, this is not a hard and fast structure. It'll always get you there, but... You can always bend it, 
but very often with good writing if you follow a formula you follow a structure you get, you get some confidence in the use of that formula and the better you get the, you, can, you can then modify it you can then do your own formula you can then change it so it's good to work with something that has a um, a solid feel to it before you start branching out and doing it so for right now try to follow the formula and then later on in your own work you'll be able to use it when you want expand upon it change it uh, and so on anyone have any questions on this